Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Memory Lane Podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Great guest for you today, former Bucko shortstop Jack Wilson. Played the game, always had a smile on his face, just had fun playing baseball all the time. Jack, I appreciate you joining me. What does it mean to you that people look back on your career and they remember that you were a fun guy to watch? You looked like you were playing a game. Yeah, no, I, I think that's kind of the way, you know, I was, I was taught by, by my dad and, and my older brothers. Like it was always a game, you know, even when it was, you know, technically a job in a sense, it was always, you know, play, enjoy the game, have fun. And then when you always felt like when I was having fun and playing the game for that reason, I felt I played better, you know, when it, when things got rough or you had a slump or whatnot, always would flip back to me and it's still a game. They still call it a game for a reason that you're supposed to go out, have fun, put your work in and practice, put your work in pregame, but just go out and play. I mean, that's why you call it playing baseball, you know, so just have a good time and put a smile on your face. And, and, you know, it's such a negative game in a sense where it's like you get out seven times out of 10, you're a stud, you know? So it's, I tried to stay as positive as I could. Yeah. We're going to talk more about that later on. Cause Jack, I coach nine-year-old kids, and I tell them, hey, if you get out seven <laughs> times out of ten, you're going to the Hall of Fame, you're going to make $100 million. So right. uh, we'll get to that here a little bit later on. But what I like to do to start these uh, podcasts, Jack, is let the folks know what it is you're up to now. You've been, out of, you've been retired for about a decade or so. What is it that you're doing at this stage of your life? Uh, well, I, I jumped right into coaching, fell in love with it, um, you know, to be able to kind of sink my teeth into a new profession, I guess. Um, you know, just started with travel ball and then moved on to the high school ranks. I did that for five years. I just finished that last year. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. And then, you know, about three years ago, I was hired by USA Baseball. So I, I helped early on. I helped um, the tryout process for making the national team for the 18U national team. And then the last two years I've been hired as on staff as the third base coach and field coach for the national team for the 18U side, which is really going to be fun this summer uh, because we, we're playing in the World Cup. We're hosting the World Cup this year in, in Bradenton, Florida, which is Bradenton, Sarasota, which is obviously where I spent a lot of time at with uh, in spring training with the Pirates. So I'm really excited to get back there and 
you know, for those that don't know, the World Cup of baseball is pretty much the Olympics for 18U baseball. So you got Japan, Cuba, you know, Korea, United States, like Mexico, Canada. It's a it's a huge deal. And and so we're really excited to start that process in late June uh, for the first tryouts and then play the uh, the World Cup in September. So we're, we're really excited this year. You know, I like to jump into favorite memories and everything because this is a memory lane podcast. But since you're talking about coaching, what is coaching kids nowadays entail? Do, do you, because you came up during a different era, basically every player came up during a different era with regards to exit velocity, launch angle, all of these kinds of things. But you've right. got to, you've got to coach kids now with all of these new metrics and all of these, you know, new philosophies and principles. Are you, are you teaching any kids to bunt Jack? <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't, I don't teach any of this metric stuff. That stuff okay. doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I think the major league baseball is completely juiced. It goes 50 to 75 feet further than the balls we used. And so that makes sense. Why would anybody want to cut down their swing with two strikes when they can hit a ball at 60%? I mean, I watch baseball games, guys hit off the end of the bat and get jammed and they're going deep. Uh, so it's like, okay, if that ball's a pro V one title list underneath that leather, that leather wrap that looks like a baseball and it's going that far, why would you not just try to lift and separate and try to get the ball in the air? But the game itself is it's still, especially in the youth level, still hitting line drives, getting on top of the ball. I mean, with, with even with high school, you put the ball in the air, they catch it, you're out. You know, and they say, well, major leaguers don't want to hit the ball in the air. Well, it's because they have the best defenders in the planet playing infield. I don't want to hit the ball with them either, you know, but that's not the way the game is played at the youth level. So when I was at high school, bunts, hit and runs, safety squeeze, suicide squeeze, all that stuff that that was in the same era when I was playing is, is still taught. And if you watch, uh, if you watch college baseball, it's exactly the same. You know, you're still playing the game like it was played way back when, because the metrics only make sense to major leaguers. It doesn't make sense to anybody else because they're just not men yet. When you're watching the strongest, biggest humans play the game and they can put the barrel on the ball really, really well, like, okay, those metrics make sense, but it not for a 17 year old kid. It doesn't you know, who hasn't grown into his body yet. So it's, it's none of those metrics I believe really have any effect until they get into pro ball. That's tremendously refreshing to hear. Uh, And a lot of people I talk to, even if they love baseball for 50 years, it's harder for them to watch the game now because it is so different at the big league level. So it will be refreshing probably for a lot of people to learn that kids are still being taught the game the right way. But I want to ask you this, those kids are probably watching major league baseball do right. they do they come to you and say, "Hey, Coach Jack, why aren't I worrying about exit velocity and launch angle?" Uh, it's it's basically because I give them I give them proof. I I coach baseball for five seasons uh, on a really high level high school team. Actually, the high school that I played at, we went ninety eight thirty and one with a state championship and a couple league championships. We played we were Division two all of my entire. You know, Division two in California is one step from the from the highest when you're looking at six seven thousand person schools. And I give them the I give them the the statistic when you hit when we hit the ball. Now we had a, a number six uh, ranked team in the nation last year in high school. When we hit the ball and our out percentage is forty percent or more in the air. Our outs were created in the air. The most we scored on average is four runs. If, our, if it dipped just to 38%, where we're only flying out 38% of our, of our outs in a single game, we were averaging seven to nine runs. Just because it's like, okay, when you hit the ball 
Because your launch angle is based on the fact that, okay, when you hit, I, I can take the same launch angle that Josh, Josh Donaldson does with the same swing, but a 16-year-old kid is going to hit that 280 feet. Josh Donaldson is going to hit it 440. Same swings, but just not strong enough. So that stuff doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter unless you're just a really, really strong young, young player. And even then, it doesn't really make sense. If you hit the ball on the ground, they have to catch it. They got to throw it, and another guy's got to catch it before you get to first base. That's three things that have to happen. And in, in youth sports, even watch, I'm watching college games nonstop to watch my son play. And that's still a hard thing to do for an infielder to feel the ball and throw it over to first and get a guy out who's running down the line. It's still the hardest, one of the hardest things to do. So, I mean, so to me, I always show them, this is the proof is the fact that until you get in a pro ball, your outs in the air are really easy because all you got to do is catch it. You all got to do is catch it. When you're strong enough and that ball's going to sail over the fence, then it makes sense. One last thing on this. You're only 44 years old and you're not far removed from playing yourself. You talk to a lot of old-time players. Al Oliver told me he doesn't watch the game anymore. Michael Lavalier told me he doesn't watch it. Do you still watch Major League? Not, I don't know if you have enough time. Absolutely not. You don't? It's, it, it's a completely foreign game to me. It doesn't make any sense. I love college baseball because it's the, it, they do the same things that, that I would, grew up with watching and played myself. Where you're bunting, you're hitting guys over. Now we have, we have these rules where – there's a man on second base with nobody out in the extra innings and nobody will even put a bunt down. It's, I'm like, it just doesn't, and they get no runs. And you're like, yeah, you're not going to get any runs. But back in the day, if you got a man on second base, nobody out, unless you were the three or four hole hitter. Yeah. You were bunting to move the guy to third, to change the defense, to change the pitching philosophy, because now he can't spike a curveball at two strikes. There's a guy on third infields in now the ball that's hit on the ground has a better chance of going through. Everything changes then it just seems like this game has completely gone away from that. And I think that, like I said, the ball is so alive and the, the pitchers are throwing so hard. They just, they play for the, it used to be the American league style play, right? In American league was like, just wait for the three run Homer and the national league. It wasn't like that. You had role players a two hole guy it was a hit and run bunt guy, you know, and you had the hitter hitting eighth or ninth. So a lot of that stuff was, is, is, was different that you didn't have in the American League. Now it's like everything's just homer, 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 strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. And it's a really boring game. It really, I can't even watch it. I really don't. I root for the Pirates. I check the box scores. You know, I'm a huge Pirate fan but I of, of players. But if you ask me to go to a Major League Baseball game, I will, like, absolutely I will not go. Most people you know probably feel roughly the same, former players. Is that, would that be accurate um, to say? I haven't really asked them. I, I really, I think it's just because, you know, we have conversations about our kids, you know, and stuff like right. we're talking about that type of stuff. And, you know, every now and then, I'll, like, you know, I'll talk to Andrew McCutcheon, who's still playing, and, and you know, guys that I played with that are still going after it. I just saw Oliver Perez just sign the other day. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. He's 74 <laughs> years old. I, I know. <laughs> it, it's, it's nuts. I think it's, it's um, yeah, it's such a different game. So it's, and especially, too, I have a son playing uh, college baseball, and, you know, when I, I, I can lock in for nine innings, no problem, because that's still the game that I, that I recognize. Awesome. That's great. All right. So uh, going back to your playing career, uh, again, early, as I mentioned earlier, it was fun to watch you play because you always looked like you enjoyed playing. 
Um, when you look back on your time with the Pirates, what are your favorite memories, Jack? And, and not necessarily the winning and losing. We'll get to that in a bit. But just you personally being around the game, being in the big leagues for, for so long, what, what do you enjoy most from those memories? I think the one that sticks out, I love being on the field watching Freddie Sanchez win his batting title. Oh. I think that's one of my favorites, um, if not my favorite, just because coming where he came from, he was injured. He was a backup player. You know, Joe Randa hits a ball off his foot and breaks his foot, you know, and Freddie gets an opportunity a month in to be an everyday player. And the guy hits, gets 200 hits and hits 356 or whatever it was. And uh, on that last day, him and Miguel Cabrera are pretty close to each other. And Miggy needed like two or three hits and Freddie only needed a one to lock it in and beat him. And I think, I think I was on base for that final hit that he needed. And it was just an amazing moment. It was just really awesome to see a guy like him and his journey between junior college and D2 to, you know, to get drafted to being stuck behind no more Garcia Parra in Boston to, to coming over to our place and then get, you know, being a bench guy and then getting an opportunity to start. And then next thing you know, he's, you know, three time all-star two time world champion, but that uh, just watching that unfold was amazing. Watching, you know, one of my favorites is the, the comeback against the Astros. I think it was maybe Oh one, maybe Oh two, where we were down seven with two outs in the ninth inning. And we came back and won on a Brian Giles grand slam. That one always was, I was on second base for that. So that was a lot of fun to be a part of. Uh, it was our first game of a doubleheader too. So we got all, we got all energetic and then oh, we got to play another game. Um, Rob Kobiak's two homers on, on the day his, uh, his son was born. Uh, and his son's a really good baseball player now. He's a senior and uh, junior in high school and he's a left-handed pitcher and he's, he's really good. So uh, just stuff like that where, you know, personal stuff that you got to see firsthand, um, not necessarily stuff that I did. I think that, that I, I enjoyed watching guys that I played with in the minor leagues that, you know, Freddie and I played travel ball together in high school. I enjoy seeing those guys uh, succeed and being there for that and for those special moments. Would you say that, the camaraderie being around the guy, is that maybe you now you're still coaching. Uh, so you're around baseball players all the time, but is that one of the things you miss the most about not playing any longer? Oh, for sure. The, the, the time in the clubhouse, you know, the time on the road, you know, hanging out, you know, being at the clubhouse early, breaking down and just getting to play the game, you know, being out there with Freddie and, and not having to say a word to him and knowing exactly what he's going to do on a certain ball up you know, when we're turning a double play, you no, know, those little things, those little nuances, like, you know, it's, you know, it's something you definitely miss because it's such a big part of your life. And it's such a big part of being a team and, and a teammate is that time you're spending off the field and in the clubhouse playing ping pong, playing cards, whatever it is. That's, that's the stuff I think you talk to most players. That's the stuff they, they miss the most is hanging around with the guys. Spring training was always a blast. Um, you know, as, as soon as you are established and you have a job, it's a little less, um, you know, stressful you know so but that that time is we know we're just getting our work in so we it's really easy and you get your work in you go play a couple innings of spring training you go out to dinner and stuff like that so just all that stuff comes together it's 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 special you mentioned uh memorable names from that era of the pirates with Makoviak, brian giles you played with jason bay mm -hmm. um freddie sanchez winning the batting title who, who was who were your best friends on the team who were the guys that you know you'd spend the time with on the road or talk the most with in the clubhouse? Oh, Freddie, for sure. Freddie, we had such a, a long history together. Uh, you know, we were very similar in our styles of play. We were very similar 
people in general in general. So we had a, a lot of fun together. I love Jason Bay uh, when we traded for him and, and came over. He was just an amazing, amazing guy all the way around. You know, he, you could he could go for eight and you know, then go five for five and he's the same exact guy. You know, he was always just even killed Jason Bay and um, Mike Lincoln, who was a reliever, was one of my favorite guys to hang out with. Um, you know, we, we, we actually shared a, a house in spring training together um, just because we, we were like peas in a pod, man. We just, we like the same shows. We like to play video games, that type of stuff. Craig Wilson was another guy that I like to hang out with. You know, we had just, we had just really good, really good guys. Obviously, you know, what, what you saw on the field was, was tough as a fan's point of, point of view and a player point of view, but you know, we, our clubhouse was pretty tight. We had a lot of guys that, that liked each other and just, we just didn't really get it done when it came to the, the wins and losses. Well, that's really interesting because you mentioned Jason Bay, the even keel thing and ba- the baseball phrase that everybody used control, what you can control. You got, right. you got to do what you can do uh, regardless of, of what's happening uh, in a, in a, in a game or with the team, you guys, you lost a lot. Obviously, the yeah. Pirates lost a lot during uh, your tenure. But how did that impact guys on a day-to-day basis? Did everybody still show up with a positive attitude? You, you had a, it was obvious to see your positive attitude. Uh, Freddie Sanchez always looked looked like he had a positive attitude. Right. Would you say that that was the case um, for most most guys on the team? That regardless of the record, that when you got to the ballpark every day, everybody was ready to play and happy to be there. Yeah, I think I think there was still that thought process that we have this small window of time to to establish ourselves as major leaguers. Um, you know, you still had a job to do every day, and, and losing sucks. But you know, the, you still got to go out there every day and and compete because you have guys in the minor leagues that they're drafting every year, top prospects knocking on the door trying to take your job. So the win losses is obviously a huge important part of of playing this game, and it's always the focus. And then when when it doesn't happen, you know, you really got to like make sure that you're right because you can't just, you know, if you're sulking around because your wins losses, next thing you know, you're, you're not hitting or you're not playing defense. And, you know, a team like Pittsburgh didn't sign a lot of free agents. They, they, they used a lot of younger guys. You know, I think by, by year four, I was like a veteran and I'm like, I've only been here for a little bit. I've only done a couple cool stuff, you know, cool things, but I, it was such a young team. It's like, if what you, if you played well, you know, if, there was always an open door for somebody to come take your job. And that was kind of just known. So you came in every day to, to do your thing, to make sure that you're out there having good at bats and playing good defense and pitchers throwing strikes and all that stuff. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you also have a very small window to, to make a career out of playing this game. So I think that's also a lot of the time, you know, the focus being when, when, the, when you're already kind of eliminated for playoffs or you kind of know that you might not have the talent in your clubhouse to compete against the St. Louis Cardinals or the Chicago Cubs uh, for, for a division, that uh, you got to make sure that, you, that you're coming every day to work. Even on those days where, you, you know, depending on whatever the record was, did you still feel like, do Major League Baseball players still feel like they can show up and win a game? Did you guys feel Absolutely. like you could Absolutely. you could win any any particular game on any given day? Absolutely, that, that was that's I mean that's that's every one of us. We I mean, and we did. There's plenty. We swept the Yankees, and I believe in like '03 or something like that when they came to Pittsburgh, and I think we swept them or took two out of three, one of the two. So it's still a game of baseball. Yeah, the second you know they still got to throw it over the plate and guy's got a bat in his hand. So you, you're always out there with a good idea. You know when you start the game, like hey. hey 
just as you know, there's still major league baseball players. We're still all pretty good at the game to where we can string some hits together and make some plays and the pitchers stay low, you know, down in the zone and, you know, we can win games. You know, it's just sometimes we didn't have the lineup power that the other teams had or the power pitching or the power bullpen doesn't mean you can't beat them, you know? So you're still, you're still starting the game zero, zero, just like everybody else. From the business side, did you guys, did you fought, did you fought when you're playing, did you follow any of those things? The fact that they're always talking about prospects and not able to really sign free agents, or is that stuff that you just have to put out of your mind as best you can and, yeah. and just focus on what you do? Well, like you said, control the controllables. That's, that's the biggest thing. You can only control what you do. You know, I tell kids all the time, don't ever try to be better than somebody else. Just be the best version of yourself. Cause that's the only thing you can do. Like I never tried to be better than Jeter or better than Nomar or better feeler than, you know, other players, it's like, cause that wouldn't do me any good. I still have to go out and, and prepare to, to do whatever I can do. Everybody's got their own style, their own type of game, their own swing, whatever it is. And that's what I, that's what you need to focus on. So I think that all that stuff is just like, I guess LeBron says it's white noise and it really is. I mean, if you, if you read into it and you read oh Hey, they might bring this guy up and send this guy down. And if you read that, how is that going to help you? How are you by thinking about that, by focusing on that, how could that possibly help you, go out and do your job and, and, and play and help your team win. So none of that stuff is unless the GM sits you down and said, yeah, we traded you or yeah, we're sending you down. That's, that's really you know, nothing really is real. Was it something that everybody just understood the way the pirates kind of operated small market and everything The players, did players talk about that or did you just try to avoid it because maybe everybody knew what the situation was with, player acquisition and everything and right. you, you just had to focus on what you could do or or did it did it bother some people at times not really i mean just i mean they're paying you to go out there and be in the big leagues um so really don't have much to complain about you know you're there you know and you know yeah you wish you can get some players here and it was never their style to go out and get free, free agents and still isn't I mean, even the years that they went to the playoffs, it was all homegrown guys. Then they they sprinkled in a Francisco Liriano or a, or AJ Burnett here and there, but it was you know Walker, it was Jordy, you know Jody Jordy Mercer, not yeah, that's right, Jordy, yeah, 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 right. yeah, Pedro Alvarez at third, like everybody was homegrown. You know, when they started putting money, I think the biggest the, the frustrating was is was watching the draft. Because so many years I were there, it was the, the high school pitcher when you had these studs available that you passed up because, you know, we had the first pick and we, we didn't go get, uh, you know, the switch hitting catcher that I think ended up going to, gosh, what was it? Weeders, Matt Weeders. Weeders Matt Weeders, yeah, ball yeah. point. Yep. You know, and you would just, you would, and you would see a guy and we draft a guy or a young guy and you're like, man, if we could just, if we ever started getting the best college players because you know that they could make an impact within a couple of years. And then and everything started when we took Pedro, when we took Pedro and started spending money in the draft, then you, then you saw, you know, Garrett Cole get taken, you know, and, and they built around those guys and, and, you know, you had Neil Walker, obviously there, obviously you had McCutcheon, but you built through the system and that's kind of going to be their style is the fact that if they don't miss on, you know, not missing on draft picks, which they do a really good job of, I think, and making trades when, when they have the guys that are, that are there, that are, they're worth value. I think they did a great job last year of, you know, their minor league is stacked right now. And I love their future because they've done that. You know, they've done that. They've done really good in their drafts. They obviously a stud catcher from Louisville last year. Um, you know, so they, they have a very bright future and they were able to trade guys like Adam Frazier for some really good prospects and stuff like that at the break. So 
you gotta love what they're doing as far as the a future is concerned. You had your sensational year in 04, All-Star and Silver Slugger. Uh, just a great year offensively for you. What do you remember most about the success you had that year? Did it start in spring training? When did you kind of start to feel like, wow, this is feeling really good? Well, 04 was, was interesting because my entire career, I was an offensive guy. Like I always hit. If you look at the minor league numbers, I started off, I hit 370, then I hit 340. Like I was always used to hitting. And I think that when I broke into the big leagues and when I was 23, that first year in 01, it kind of like basically sat me down and said, listen, like, you know, hitting is hitting, but you're here for your defense. And I kind of bought into that in a sense where that kind of became my focus when my whole life, my focus was hitting. So for three years, I just kind of focused on playing defense because I kind of just made a shift in my mind. Like, listen, if I want to stay in the big leagues for a while, this is how I, this is now my key. This is now my role. I, I shot through the ladder because of offense, but, but I'm looking around the league and it's like, okay, if you can steal hits, and you can play a good defense and you can take hits away. You can be here a long time. So that be, kind of came my focus through the off season, through everything. My focus was making sure that I was legit on the defensive side. Um, and then in 04 came, I was just like, you know, we, we went through arbitration, you know, for the first time, which was crazy nuts. Um, like understanding that, okay, you can't hit 250 and just play defense. Now it's, you gotta, you gotta start doing something else. So I was like, all right. So that, that was the off season where I really started pushing more on the offensive side to get back to really believing that I could hit. And that kind of just carried over into the season and, and really simplified things and stayed get to get and kind of went to my old swing and, and really when I was in the minor leagues. I went one for four. I couldn't handle that. I had to stay like I had to stay back and, ha and hit with like the bad boys in the cage. Cause I was wondering how in the world I just got out three times. But in the big leagues, I was one for four. As long as I was playing defense, I was okay with it. So I, I just finally started saying, all right, I'm not okay with it anymore. And started pushing myself to, to attack early and, and, and really not being okay with a one for four or one for five. Just being like, all right, I want to get two every single day. So it was, it was more of a, a mindset than anything. Is really just believing that I could do it, that I could go back to, to being a good, a good hitter. And so that was, that, was a, that was a fun year. It was nice. You were such a good defensive shortstop. Um, I... I thought you might have won a gold glove, uh, and I was maybe a little surprised that you didn't. Uh, were, were you close in any year? Did you feel I had five, five times I got second place. Five times? Okay. I thought you'd might so I got won. five silver. I tell people I have five silver gloves because okay. they all think that I did. Would, and, I, you know, they, not, they tell me, I'm like, oh, and gold glove defender. I'm like, actually, right. I didn't. And it's such, it, that's the one thing I do like now is these, you know, the, the metrics for, def, for defense and the way that they cover defense and they put a little bit more love into it than they did before um you know with with the award is 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 voted by and it just seemed like all five times that i got second place i had better numbers overall defensively than every single one of them i just didn't hit higher than they did and that was kind of the thing if you Sorry. want to go left you gotta hit you're like Pfft. you know the closest i got was my 2004 year where it was the closest to second place that i got and it was the, my worst defensive year i had 17 errors that year <laughs> <laughs> but yet they're like, oh, you should have got it because you hit 300. I'm like, how does that make any sense? <laughs> so, what, are you, what are you most proud of during your playing career? Is there anyth anything you I mentioned? You, you said your favorite memory were Freddie Sanchez and Makoviak and Giles' Grand Slam. 
how, how about for you personally? What are you most proud of? Whatever it was, either you accomplished or just staying in the big leagues for as long as you did. I just think, you know, people saying they love the way I played. I think that's probably the biggest compliment they, they, they could give me and really that I look back and like, there was never a what if, or if I could have done something different, I gave it everything I had every time out there. And sometimes it was good and sometimes it was bad, but you know, the effort I think that I put out for the, when I was on the field was, was kind of my main thing that made sure no matter what was going on, I was going to go out there and die for balls and do whatever I could, wherever I could to, to help a team win. So when, you know, that's, that's my biggest thing is I knew that I gave it everything I had every time I was out in the field. So that, you know, numbers, anything like that, all-star time and stuff, that's, that's, that's all great. But I think that I just, I just like to play. I love to play the game. I still do. I play 40 and over world series in Arizona every year. It's, it's an absolute blast. Of course I catch and hit left-handed, which, which is a lot of fun too, but I, I, I still love playing the game. I can't do softball. Coaching. How about coaching kids? You're coaching elite level players, but do they yeah. have the joy? Do they have the love? Maybe I'm oh, not sure. comparing them to you, but do you see that passion? Are they going out in the field smiling all the time? Oh yeah. I mean, especially on the national team, like you're the best We We start with 96 and then we get down to the best 20 players in the nation. They all love baseball because they wouldn't be that good if they didn't, you know, because there's so much time and effort to becoming that good. It happens off the field on your own. You have to have a passion for the game. Nobody just shows up and you're the best player, you know, one of the best players in the nation. So when you have a passion for the game, you're always going out there. You're always happy. You're the, you're the guy that nobody wants to be around when you're not playing that day because you're miserable. So, you know, that, at that level, I mean, the high school level is a little different because you only have a certain amount of kids that might go on to play D1 baseball. Some might go to junior college. Some, you know, most of half your roster might not play baseball again. So that's a little bit different uh, than, than the national team, but you know, Baseball is still a game. It's still fun for, for everybody. And I think as a coach, that was one of my main focuses is making sure that it was, we do work. I told them, you know, practice is work, but you play the game. I let you guys play the game. And if there's coaching moments, I take your side and we talk about it, but you know, we work at practice, but you play the game. You, you know, we, we do this to have fun. Like my, my son's nine. Uh, I coach uh, nine, uh, 10 new kids, 12 new kids. What, what bit of advice would you give to young kids playing baseball? Oh, just, I, I, I tell him, I said, you know what? You can, you can be really good. You can even be great. Uh, you probably just be really good. If you just go to practice and you, and you, and you just go to practice and that's all you do. It's like the great baseball players. That's, that's not, they do so much more on their own, whether it's throwing a tennis ball off a wall to do fielding or hitting into a net, playing stick ball with your friends in, in a cul-de-sac somewhere, all the best players will the, – the practice time that they put in with their coach and their teammates is the smallest amount of practice time they get in a week because they're doing stuff on their own. And I think that's why I tell kids, you, if you want to be really – just want to be good, just go to practice. And even in high school, that's just – that's every day. If you want to be just good, come to practice, do your thing, you'll just be good. If you want to be great, you do, you do the other things that are needed on your own. Jack, you sound like you'd be a tremendous broadcaster. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you this. Five to seven years. This will be the last thing. Five to seven years from now, what's Jack Wilson doing? High school coach, college coach, minor league coach, coach in the big leagues, or broadcaster? I go all in on college coach, for sure. That's that's my dream. That's what I want to do. Um, you know, 
started slowly. I went back to school after I was done. I was only two year junior college guy when I got drafted. So I actually went back to school online about six years ago and finished and got my degree so that I can be NCAA eligible to coach uh, at the D1 level. So that is, that is the ultimate goal. That is my new big leagues for me. Um, but I don't, I, I, I know I have a lot to learn. I think just like anything else as a player, um, you have to be coachable. You have to want to learn. There's a whole nother level. I get to watch. I travel around everywhere my son goes and I watch baseball. And it's like a classroom to me. I'm watching the other, the other programs. How do they, how do they run their program? I obviously know a lot about Grand Canyon because I, you know, that's where my son plays. So that's what I want to, that's what I want to do. And I think there's a lot, a long way to go before I feel comfortable with being hopefully a head coach one day. I'd love to be an assistant to start and learn the process. You know, I think there's steps you got to take to that. So that is the goal. So maybe five to seven years from now, maybe in the next couple of years, go out and put myself out there to, to be an assistant coach somewhere after my son's done playing and maybe, maybe one day get, get a head coaching job. That would be amazing. And even though those Pirates teams you were on, they lost a lot, you're, you're still very well remembered in Pittsburgh. What do you remember best about Pirates fans and PNC Park? Well, I think, I think they just appreciated, you know, like for me personally, they appreciated how I went about my days. You know, they would always, like you said, they were always appreciative of how I played. And how, I think it was a perfect match when I got traded over from St. Louis, that blue, you know, that blue collar, hardworking city, steel workers, like that whole thing. That was kind of just how I was raised. It was my, my dad was my coach forever. And, he, and it was always about working hard and, and running as hard as you could down the line, even though you hit a ball back to the pitcher, all that stuff. So I think it was a perfect match for, for that city. They, my, my, my kids grew up in Pittsburgh. You know, my, my wife and I were 23 and 22 years old when we arrived there and, um, you know, nine years later, our, all three of our kids were considering Pittsburgh as well. My daughter was born in Pittsburgh during the season, you know, so very, very close to our hearts. Love the fans. I love getting back there when I can to, to, to catch a game or do some stuff with the alumni group. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a privilege to wear that Jersey. It really was no matter what the win loss says. I mean, it was such a historic franchise, um, you know, from everything it is from the, being the very first world series of all time to today. I don't care that pirates P means a lot. And I think it, it meant a lot to me. It was very tough to leave that for sure, but it, it's nice that I can get back to that as much as I can. Awesome. That's very well said, Jack. Thank you so much. Very, very appreciative of you taking the time to share your memories. A lot of great stuff. Thank you so much. No problem, Corey. All right.